Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast, PMM Interviews. In this podcast, we explore tips for how to interview like a boss for product marketing candidates through the lens of experienced leaders who run product marketing at some of the fastest growing technology companies in the world. I'm Nupur, a product marketer at Twilio. I'm really passionate about instilling confidence in aspiring candidates who are either thinking about pursuing a career in product marketing or are simply looking for tangible frameworks and takeaways in their current role to help Help them get to that next step. So if you're here for the first time and wondering what to expect, this show will help you navigate your career, arm you with the confidence you need to unlock your full potential in interviews, which is a stressful high-stakes situation to begin with. This show is produced by Sharebird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It's the place to discover on-demand resources and learn from top product marketing leaders. Get more advice and insights at sharebird.com. Before we get started, Shout out to our sponsor, LaunchNotes. Trusted by hundreds of leading product marketing teams, LaunchNotes is the only dedicated platform for product change. Publish and send product updates, create and share product roadmaps, and collect and synthesize customer feedback, all in a way that's personalized, automated, and secure. With that, let me introduce you to our guest for today, Mike Berger, who is a VP of product marketing at ClickUp. Mike, welcome to our PMM Interviews podcast. Can you give us a quick introduction and also describe what ClickUp is? Yeah, certainly. And first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So yeah, I guess to start, I'm a VP of product marketing at ClickUp. If you live anywhere near any major metropolitan area, at least, you probably have seen our billboards or trains or buses running around with uh, ClickUp advertisements on them. We're pretty much everywhere. So many of you probably heard of the company, but if you haven't, ClickUp provides basically an all-in-one productivity platform. And it replaces a lot of the tools that teams use today to get their work done. And these tools today are often very disconnected. So ClickUp basically brings all that work together across every business function into a single platform. And the intent is to really boost productivity and save people time. But in today's world, it's also to help companies move fast. So the company's gone from basically 4 million in ARR to 70 million in ARR in just two years, making it likely one of the fastest growing SaaS companies in history. So it's a really exciting place to be at this moment. That's fabulous to hear. Those are some big numbers. Congratulations on all that growth. Another question I love to start with is what is top of mind for you these days in your role? Yeah, a bunch of things. I think for starters, we're starting to refer to our product as an all-in-one productivity platform, but we haven't really built out our platform narrative or our platform story. So top of mind right now is how do we build that story out? And then the second thing that's on my mind is hiring. Just weeks ago, I had one direct report and I'm hiring for 15 open roles at the moment. So right now, hiring is definitely top of mind. It's a very competitive market, but on the flip side, we've got an incredible story and I've been very fortunate to bring on some really solid, incredible people onto the team over the last, you know, I've been at the company for going on nine weeks now. So I've had some success. And again, I think just the story of the company and the growth has played a big role in our ability to bring those folks on. That's fabulous to hear. And if there's anyone listening here and looking for a career in product marketing or marketing in general, you should definitely hit Mike up. Sounds like he's hiring a lot of candidates. Mike, you're someone that has had a long career in product marketing and have probably interviewed a lot of candidates over the years. What are your favorite interview questions to ask candidates applying for a product marketing position? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I tend not to have a bunch of canned questions that I ask. I tend to approach the conversation in a fluid manner, but there are some questions that I do like to ask. I would say one in particular is how would you describe your current product? And it's much more about just getting an understanding of whether or not the candidate can describe their product in a way that's concise and compelling more than an opportunity for me to learn about the product or what product they're focused on in their role. Because as a product marketer, obviously our ability to talk about the product in a very concise and compelling way way is key to our role, right? So I think it's a really helpful question to ask. And the answer really tells you a lot about the way that individual thinks and their ability to convey it in that way. Another one would be, what does product marketing mean to you? I'm sure as a fellow product marketer, you can imagine like the definition of product marketing can be so different depending on the company. And so when you ask the question of what product marketing means to them, it gives you a lot of clues in terms of like what their experience has been and and what areas of product marketing they've been focused on and just what their overall mindset is as it relates to product marketing. You can be a very tactical product marketer and be very focused on things like weekly releases, or you can be very strategic and be partnering with the CEO on the company's strategic narrative and everything in between. So that helps kind of give me an understanding of where they sit along that spectrum based on their experience. A couple other questions I would say are, how have you gone about learning about the customer? Like central to the value that product marketing brings to an organization is that deep understanding of a customer. What are their pains? What are their challenges? What motivates them? And so getting an understanding of how they've gone about researching the customer and understanding that customer deeply is super helpful to evaluate them for the role. And then I think the last one that comes to mind is, Tell me about one of the hardest messaging and positioning challenges you've had to solve for and and how did you do it? And this is one that I think gets into the nuances of product marketing and messaging to really hear about like the challenge that they faced and how they thought about solving for it. Again, it's a very nuanced thing. And so just going deep into a specific challenge like that is really helpful for me to kind of just evaluate how they think as a product marketer. So those are some questions that come to mind. Thank you, Mike. Those are all really great questions. I think they're going both into like the breadth of what a candidate is good at as the same time depth. But one of the questions that you said really resonates with me, the one about how have you gone about learning about the customer? It's definitely one for the books, especially since I think customer obsession is so crucial as we develop positioning. And as marketers, the biggest mistake we could make would be to sit in our room within our four walls on our computer and develop positioning in a silo with no real understanding of the customer. So that's a really crucial one. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's very fun. If you think about it, like that understanding of the customer is if it was a house, that's the foundation. It's what everything's built on top of. So if the foundation isn't great, then everything on top of it, it's going to crumble. So in our world, that's probably like if you're working with demand gen, all the campaign messaging is probably not going to resonate to all the content on the website probably won't either. So again, it's just so foundational to what we do. I actually just made a note of that. I loved how you described that analogy of it being the foundation. I think I'm going to use that. (laughs) Go for it. Wonderful one. Another favorite question of mine that I enjoy asking candidates is about their favorite accomplishment in some of these early interviews, especially because I think it's a great gateway to understand how the candidate thinks, but it also sets the tone for the candidate to have like an amazing start to the interview because they're talking about something that they did really well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it's something that's great to hear. I think the one thing that I would say to candidates is when you tell those stories, make sure that you're very clear about the role that you played. And I think that's something that can get really fuzzy in an interview. 100%. That's so right. Okay, moving on to the next question. What are some of the common mistakes you see candidates make in PMM interviews? If you had to sit someone down and say, hey, make sure you avoid these common things, what would they be? 
where do I start? So many. <laughs> and by the way, I've made these mistakes too. So we all do this, right? But I think that from my own experiences and from the experience of interviewing lots of candidates, I would say probably the first thing is answer the question that was asked. It's amazing how many times you ask a question and a candidate just immediately goes off on a tangent. And by the time they've kind of tried to circle back, they still haven't answered the actual question that was asked. So that's a pretty basic one, but I think it's one that's super important. I think be concise. That's actually probably one area where interviews go south quickly and probably most often is that a candidate can maybe because of their nerves, maybe they're just nervous, they have a little anxiety. But if that's the way that you tick, maybe there are ways that you can go about easing some of that nervousness and, and anxiety going into the call, because I think that's one of the contributors. But sometimes candidates will just continually ramble on. And so you're asking a question and you're expecting a pretty concise answer in a matter of maybe a minute or two. And the candidate, they're still going at the eight, 10 minute mark. And I've actually seen that happen. So that's actually the biggest problem I think that I see is just not being concise. I would say like be a storyteller. Like I think some of the best product marketers that I know are great at storytelling. So the more that you can bring storytelling into the interview, the better. Make it conversational. I think certainly the traditional style of interviewing is to ask someone a question and then the candidate will sit back and then answer it. But I think some of the best interviews that I've had are those that are more conversational. So if you're the candidate and you get asked a question, you know, answer the question, but then ask a question or prompt a response from the interview so that it becomes conversational. The only thing I would say is don't force it. Like if you have a person that's interviewing you and they kind of adhere to that older style of interviewing, then don't force it. But if you can make it conversational, I would say be yourself. It's amazing. Many experiences where I've interviewed a candidate and felt that they were really, really formal acting like someone that they probably weren't or not showing their, maybe a better way to say is not showing their true personality. And no one wants to work with a robot. Like we want to work with other people that we enjoy working with. So let your personality shine, be yourself. Don't get overly formal. I think there are industries where maybe being a little bit more formal might be expected, but in tech, it not so. And then I think again, like just talking about actual experiences, the situational style of interviewing can, can be helpful. Uh, but if you're not asked about a situation, bring those experiences into your stories that you're telling. So those are some things that come to mind when it comes to mistakes that I've seen candidates make. These are all great points, Mike. And to your point, we're all in this learning journey. There are so many things here that I might have done in my experience mm -hmm. as a candidate. One of the things that you mentioned, like I couldn't agree with you more on answering the right question. And I think sometimes candidates are so much in a hurry to answer a question that they may not even hear the complete question from the interviewer. And then you might end up giving a very embarrassing answer. I also liked your point about making it conversational and being yourself. Authenticity is really what could set you up part from other people that are interviewing when it comes to interviews, because to your point, nobody wants to work with people who put on a show or a robotic. Mm -hmm. You want to work with real human beings. And so I really like that one. And then going back to your list, the other key one you mentioned is the role that you're playing in the project and the experiences that you have. I think like demonstrating cross-functionality is super important in product marketing. And so anytime you hear a candidate make V statements or I statements, I think it should be more we and less I statements. And I think that would go a long way for candidates. But at the same time, yeah. they also need to clarify which piece of the pie they owned independently. 
Yeah, I think oftentimes if they're not clear about that, whether it's a, a panel of interviewers or just me listening, you walk away not. I mean, you certainly should ask for clarification, but if it's not clear, it can leave questions as to like, well, what was the specific role that they played in? And I think the other thing I would say is that sometimes you see happen is that people will come into an interview with an agenda and their agenda is I'm going to basically bulldoze my story through this interview. And then it becomes less conversational. It becomes less about answering the specific questions and it becomes more of an opportunity for that candidate to simply just showcase everything they've done and all the skills they have. And they think that that's a good strategy, but that's a strategy that often doesn't play out too well. So I would say that's another thing that I see sometimes happen. That's a super good point. So Mike, you talked about some of the go-to-market questions you're asking, and you sort of already hinted at some of this, but what skills are you trying to suss out in PMM interviews? What are the atomic skills you're really looking for? And does that skill set change depending on the seniority of PMM you're interviewing? Yeah, good question. So I think in terms of the atomic skills, yeah, I think it starts for me with writing, actually. So writing is really an art form, and it's probably one of the most important foundational skills for a product marketer, I think. And so it's hard to evaluate, certainly in a one-on-one interview, but there are exercises, obviously, that you can put the candidate through to sort of figure that out and evaluate their skill level. But writing for me is, if you're not a good writer, you're not going to be a product marketer on my team. I mean, it's just, writing is just critically important. The second would be messaging skills. One of the key skills of a great product marketer is, again, it's like taking things that are complex or hard to understand or, or hard to explain and make them seem really simple to the audience and make them really easily digestible. So again, it's a pretty core skill of a product marketer. So writing skills, messaging skills, storytelling. So part of being a great product marketer is the ability to influence others. And one of the ways that you influence others is through storytelling. Stories are memorable. Stories evoke emotions, right? So stories are a great way to convey your story, whether it's the story of yourself or your product or your company. So I think storytelling is probably number three on that list. I mentioned influence, but I think about influence in a different way in terms of your ability to influence those that you work with, right? Like, can you actually rally people around your ideas, your vision, your projects, your activities, et cetera? So I think influence is a really important skill for a product marketer. And then finally, I think just being a really strong collaborator, like does this person have collaboration skills? Product marketing is incredibly cross-functional discipline and you've got to work with lots of different teams within the company. It's, you're essentially, you're a strategic strategic product marketer, you're at the center of everything, right? You're working very closely with sales, with product, with marketing, with customer success and other functions. So how is a candidate in terms of their ability to collaborate with others? So I I think those are the five, like messaging, writing, storytelling, influence in general, and then the ability to collaborate. In fact, we, you know, one of the um, folks who I used to work with, one of my former CMOs, we used to talk about a framework on this and his framework was a little different. It was IQ, EQ, and CQ. And we all know what IQ and EQ is. His CQ was uh, collaboration quotient. And I always <laughs> thought that that was a really a really good one. I, you could also look at creativity quotient. But I think IQ, EQ, and CQ in terms of collaboration is also a really good kind of framework as you think about product marketers. I love that. And in terms of like, as someone gets more senior, are there different things that you mm-hmm. look for in those candidates or are they similar? Yeah, see, I didn't answer your question. See, this is a perfect example of what a candidate shouldn't do is make sure you answer the question. <laughs> so I think in terms of seniority, and for me, the basic skill set doesn't really change at all. I think that those core skills are super important, whether someone's just starting out or whether they're really senior. So the way I look at it is, is that rather than different skills, I just look at how developed, how mature are those skills. And so for someone who's more junior, maybe I'm looking for their ability to influence peers versus someone more senior, maybe I'm looking for their ability 
ability to influence more senior folks like on the executive team. For messaging skills, I might be looking at, are they driving the messaging if they're a little bit more senior or are they supporting someone else who's really creating the messaging if they're a little bit more junior? Or if we're talking about collaboration skills, maybe it's looking at, have they actually led cross-functional efforts or cross-functional launches or have they been just a participant in them? So I think it's really how these skills have been developed, how mature they are versus a different set of skills. I think if you're talking about management, then potentially the difference between someone who's an IC and a manager, then potentially I look for some different skills. But outside of that, I think the skills are the same. Well said, Mike. I think you laid it out really beautifully for us. I think you're absolutely right. It would be the same skills. Like everyone should be a good storyteller, whether they're junior or senior. This just should be more about how do you influence people? Who is your sphere of influence? And perhaps what's your scope? How much ownership do you have on a project? Is it a piece or is it the entire thing end to end? And I even wonder whether there is a component there about working independently and just being autonomous or versus leaning on managers for help and guidance. Mm -hmm. I guess more senior people would be working end to end with little to no help or little to no guidance from their managers. Yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the things that I use that's super helpful is a leveling guide, which really does a good job of conveying how product marketers at different levels of seniority should be operating. And it's a really helpful framework to have for lots of different reasons. But of course, product marketers, they have high career aspirations and they always want to be advancing their career. So it gives them a set of objective measures to determine, okay, well, where am I today? And if I want to get to that next level, what behaviors do I need to change? What skills do I need to hone, et cetera? And a big part of that that leveling guide is what you just talked about, which is someone's ability to be very much self-directed and self-guided versus someone that needs a lot of hand holding and a lot of guidance. So yeah, you totally hit the nail on the head. That's a big part of it. I love that. I really do. I think that in all the jobs that I've had, when they've had this sort of structure and leveling guide, I felt like I was more motivated because I knew what I wanted to work on to get to that next step. So I really like that you mentioned that. Yeah, it certainly helps frame up a conversation when you're looking for promotion. Having that framework makes all the difference in the world and in terms of having a productive, objective conversation versus not. Absolutely. All right. Next question for you. Do you run interviews where you ask someone in a one-on-one setting and then there's a case or a homework assignment? So I guess basically what I'm going for, are there specific mm-hmm. rounds that you like to structure your interviews around? Many years ago, I would say that doing some sort of a presentation or an exercise wasn't always part of the hiring process. And I think um, that's where a lot of mistakes, I think, happen. For me, there's always some sort of assignment. There's always some sort of an exercise involved where the candidate will present their findings, their analysis, et cetera, to a group. And so one thing I think I've definitely learned is that interviewing is in itself a skill, right? And some people are just more skilled at interviewing than others. So while being Being a really polished candidate in an interview is really important. It's not, I would say, definitely not always, and usually it's not a guarantee of their work performance and quality. So if you think about, well, what does a polished interviewer tell you about the candidate? Well, I think what it tells you is that they'll probably make a really solid first impression when they work with other team members. They are likely a very effective communicator with strong communication skills in general, at least verbal, and that it'll probably tell you that they can think on their feet quickly, right? 
right? They can think on the fly, but it probably isn't going to tell you much about the quality of a good chunk of their work, right? So I think a better indicator of how someone will perform in the role is some sort of exercise that you give them as part of the hiring process. And one thing I've come to learn is that when you go into an interview process with someone, you see these candidates who do come across as very polished and they just crush the interview and your expectations at that point are just so high and the team is really high on them. And then things can fall apart very quickly when they present on their exercise. So I mentioned that because I personally don't over-index on that one-to-one interview component. And maybe I don't over-index on it like I used to. In the past, it's very possible that I did and I put a lot more weight on it. But now I take a much more balanced approach and I don't get too excited about a candidate when they present themselves really well on that sort of one-to-one interview. I kind of hold off and say, well, let's see how they do in the exercise portion because each is just an important part of the puzzle, but they're different. So in terms of the process and the way I like to structure it is typically I'll have three rounds. And so the first round of interviews would be one-on-one interviews. And they will be typically people that this candidate would be collaborating with closely across the company. It might be someone within the product marketing team. It might be someone on the sales team or on the overall marketing team. It could be someone from customer success, but basically someone who this person will likely be collaborating with. And then if they get through that first round, like I would have a second round with some key execs, some more senior folks that this person would be uh, collaborating with. And then if they get through that round, I save the presentation to a panel of folks around some sort of structured exercise for the last round. So in fact, when I joined ClickUp, that was the second round. So the second round was some sort of presentation, and then they would meet with an executive or two as the final round. And I didn't think that made much sense because I think that there's work that goes into that presentation, right? There is a content that typically needs to be created. There's analysis that needs to be done. And I just think it's not fair to ask the candidate to do all that and then run into executive who might not think they're a great fit. So for me, I like to have that as the last part of the process. So that's the way I've been structuring it lately. I really like this entire answer. I mean, starting with the way that you structured it around, like there is something different that you get out of a one-on-one interview and there is something else that you get out of like a homework assignment or an exercise. And you use the terminology balanced approach. And I think that is so apt for this because I don't think one can exist without the other. You need both those things. And it's also really kind of you to think about the candidate because I think a lot of companies mess up at exactly this step where they introduce the homework assignment almost too early. And to your point, candidates spend a lot of time on the research and the work on it, and they have their day jobs as well. And they're kind of balancing what they need to deliver for their day job with this. So it's definitely not fair on the candidate. And so that's very empathetic on your part. I really like that. You also said that there are three rounds with a mix of stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Are there specific things that all of these interviewers are probing for? Do they know what to look for? Are you giving them what they need to find? Yeah, I'll usually provide like a set of criteria for each of the interviewers to sort of judge or evaluate the candidate on. And I think that's really important. You bring up a good point because I think one thing I've found is that when you're asking your fellow coworkers in other areas of the company, other disciplines that they're responsible for to evaluate a candidate based on their product marketing skill set, they may not always be well equipped to do that, right? So I think the quality of the feedback that you get from them might not be as high as if you ask them to 
evaluate them on a criteria that they're more comfortable with or more familiar with or more deeply immersed in. So it's a good point. So yes, we do provide them with what we'd like them to evaluate them on. For another product marketer, it might be that product marketing skill set. For someone outside of product marketing, it might be their ability to collaborate with others. Another person might be evaluating them based on cultural fit. So lots of different things that we ask them to do. But yeah, it's a good point. And we do ask them to look at different dimensions of the candidate, depending on who it is. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you mentioned this sort of like a homework assignment or a presentation with a panel. What are the type of questions you like to ask for that? Yeah, so it can be very dependent on roles. Like I just hired someone to run competitive intelligence. I also recently hired someone to basically lead the charge for our service management segment. And so the questions I asked are different, but I think what it comes down to is really answering two questions. And one is around how the person operates. And then the other is more around how the person thinks, right? How does their brain work? So I'm pretty sensitive to the fact that even though candidates might've done their research, they typically don't have an intimate understanding of your business, right? They have haven't been there they probably have a much better understanding of, well, hopefully they have a better understanding of their own business. So sometimes if you ask someone to opine about your business and they don't really have that intimate understanding then and they answer things in such a way where it doesn't really make sense to you, it can really cause you know, problems. It may come across that the candidate really doesn't know what they're talking about, or maybe they're just the wrong person for the job, whereas they just don't have the full context that you might. So in terms of the exercises, I'm careful to sort of use that as a bit of a filter. So in terms of like a question around how how they operate, I would ask them to talk about a launch that they've run at their company rather than asking them how they might launch something at my current company is one just basic example of that. And I'll suggest questions they may want to answer around that part of the exercise. So if I'm asking them to talk, you know, or walk me through a launch that they've led, I might ask them like questions around what made the launch so important to the company? Why was it so strategic? Or I might ask, uh, what was the biggest challenge that they faced? I might ask about how they were able influence others, et cetera. So I won't necessarily say that they need to answer anyone specifically, but I'll give them a bunch of questions that they might want to address as they take us through that launch. So that's one piece of it. That's the operational part of it. And then the other part, which to me is even more important is getting a feel for how they think as a candidate. So recently I asked someone to take a look at the messaging on our website and to provide us with an idea of where they think improvements can be made, what they liked about the messaging, what they didn't like about the messaging. I asked Ask them to also compare it to one of our direct competitors and the messaging on their website. And what I'm really looking to see is if they understand like the nuances of messaging, like as an art form, there's a lot of nuance when it comes to messaging and I'm looking to see if they get it. Right. And so I asked them specifically about high level messaging. And that's a really important distinction because the difference between asking them what they think about our high level messaging and our overall messaging is different because if you're asking them to provide feedback on the messaging, just period, it's very easy for them to say, well, I would restate a sentence in a different way, right? Or I might order things different, or there'll be lots of different tactical suggestions that they might make. It's harder to do that when you're asking them about the high level messaging. So for instance, you could look at ClickUp's message of one app to replace them all, right? That's a pretty bold message. And it's actually one, one of the messages that caught my eye when I saw one of the billboards. And when you really dig into it, like one app to replace them all, we don't 
don't mean that literally. We don't expect that companies are going to yank out like their ERP system and replace it with ClickUp. They're unlikely to, you know, if they're a big Salesforce shop, like yank Salesforce and replace it with ClickUp. But we're really talking about are their core work management applications. So like, that's what I mean about just getting into the nuance of it. And so when you ask them what they think about high level messaging, it forces the conversation to be at that altitude and it forces a lot more thought versus the more tactical changes that they might suggest. So that was something that I asked and it's always really interesting to hear their thoughts and then also hear about how it compares to some of our competitors. So one candidate dug into, for instance, how one app to replace them all might come across to large enterprises versus SMBs and why that might be more appealing to an SMB, whereas in the enterprise, they may be more geared to integrating ClickUp with some of the other tools. So like these are the things that come out in these kinds of conversations. So that's essentially how we approach this is that one question or one exercise that's focused on their ability to operate and the other that's really focused on the way they think and forcing that deeper conversation that brings the nuance into it. I really like how you've structured that really, like, honestly, like it's so thoughtful how they operate and how they think. So how they operate, describe a launch, how they think like competitor website, your website, what improvements can you make? I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I also like that you have to be sensitive to the candidate's knowledge of the business. Actually, one of my previous managers had once said to me, nobody acknowledges the time that candidates spend in interviewing. Like it's the candidate's time that's Mm -hmm. getting wasted. We really need to be mindful of how much we ask of them in terms of like how much research that they need to be doing prior to interviewing. They should do research, but they shouldn't Mm -hmm. spend a whole lot of time because on the flip side, we should also make sure that the candidate doesn't feel as though they're, that we're using them and making the candidate work even before joining. Right. Because that can be really disheartening if the candidate especially doesn't get the job. And so that's something to always look out for where I liked how you said that you ask them to describe how they've done it before in their own role, in their own job. And I think that makes it easier on the candidate and also doesn't make it feel as though, and really what you're looking for is, do they understand the craft? You're not looking for them to come in and have everything perfected for your company immediately, but do they understand the craft? Do they understand the process? That's right. And that's also why I typically gravitate towards someone who I feel has the right set of skills versus someone that maybe has specific domain expertise. Like if I'm looking for someone who might've come from one of our competitors and understands our space that I think is a decent product marketer versus someone who I think is a phenomenal product marketer. But without that expertise, that domain expertise, I'm always going to look to that person who I feel like has the really strong product marketing skill set because they'll learn the domain pretty quickly. Now, if something that's super technical or requires very specialized expertise, that then it's clearly a different story. But if it's something like a ClickUp, where it's more about how different business functions can use our platform to be more productive and to save time like that, I feel confident that they'll pick up. So again, it depends on the space, but generally you're, yeah, absolutely. I'm always looking for someone who's got the right set of skills and the right mindset and the right basically way of thinking. That's awesome, Mike. So if I am an aspiring product marketer and I've never been in the role before, are there any tips that you have for people like me who are approaching interview prep? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's always hard to break into a role that you don't have a lot of expertise or experience with. So I guess it just depends on the role. Like there are roles where there'll be a candidate going after a product marketing role that does require some experience. And then there are obviously entry-level product marketing roles that don't require experience. So I think for those that don't require experience, you should just try to put your best foot forward and present yourself in the best light and talk about the skills that you have and so forth. And that one's a little bit more clear. I think if you're 
someone without product marketing experience that's trying to go for a role where they are looking for experience, that's a little bit more of a challenge. And so I think what I'd probably say that you should do in that case is just really spend a lot of time dissecting the role and what specific skills the company is looking for, right? And once you figure out what the core set of skills are that are really important for the hiring manager, then I try to map the skills that you've gained in the prior experiences that you've had, even if that experience wasn't in a quote product marketing unquote role, right? So I also think it requires the hiring manager to have a little bit of imagination. So there have been candidates. In fact, there was one recently in the last few months where I interviewed this person and he was very entrepreneurial and started his own business. He was a founder and it wasn't a successful venture, but it was very clear to me, even though they didn't have product marketing experience, that a lot of experience that they did have was related to go to market and messaging and positioning and understanding the competitive landscape. And so again, even though they were in a product marketer, they were doing a lot of product marketing work. So I think that if that person can effectively convey all the different experiences that they've had that relate to the skills that are being hired for, that's a winning recipe, right? That's a recipe for success. So I think that would be the tack that I would take. That would be my strategy, but it's still, it can be certainly challenging if you don't have those skills and experiences. If you don't, then I think there are other ways to about gaining them. Like look at all the content on Sharebird. There are other product marketing sites as well that you can look at where you can pick up some of these skills and be better equipped to go after the role. Those are great tips and great plug for Sharebird there. (laughs) I really liked what you said about people probably aren't product marketers right now, but there are so many transferable skills. Product marketers come from all aspects of the business. Some come in from sales, some come in from product. To your point, you just interviewed someone who used to be an entrepreneur. So I think there is a lot of transferable skills that you can apply to product marketing. And so definitely like encourage everyone there that's an aspiring PMM, you can do it. There is something that you've probably done that can just move on and apply to PMM. So definitely do that. I'd also encourage everyone that is new to the field to get out there and talk to PMMs. It's such a diverse field and role. Mm -hmm. So a better understanding of where you think you can fit is probably possible if you just talk to a lot of PMMs. And it's also up to the interviewer. If any hiring managers are listening to this, it's up to you as well, right? It's a two-way street, you know? So you have to be looking for how the previous experience maps to what you're looking for. So again, it, it takes two to tango, right? So I would say hiring managers need to do a good job with that as well. Absolutely. All right, shifting gears a bit to something before the interview. So what's in the resume that stands out and helps a candidate sort of catch your eye? Well, I think this is may not be the most popular response, but I don't really look at resumes too closely. Honestly, I look at the experience holistically and less on what the bullet points on the resume might say. But I think the thing that I would say to that is resume aside, what I would suggest is that candidates look to build their personal brand. And you can do that in lots of different ways. So I think sharing thoughtful content on a site like LinkedIn, especially video content where someone can really get a sense of your personality, if you have a good personality, If you don't have a good personality, don't do a video. There's a a tip for the day. But if you do, let it shine, right? Make a video, find some topics that are timely and interesting to people and just put yourself out there. That gives you an absolutely huge advantage because it gives people the ability to see both how you operate in a sense and how you think, which are two of the ways that I mentioned that I evaluate candidates, right? You can almost de-risk a hire by seeing a lot of this on a site like LinkedIn. So I, I think that's one thing I would definitely do. I think the other thing I would do, and you kind of alluded to it, is talk to other people, right? 
So I have a son and he's in college and he's starting to think about career opportunities. And he basically said, you know, I'm not really ready to have some of these conversations to network. And I basically said, no, now is the absolute perfect time to do it because you want to make these connections before you need something, like before you need a job, before you're looking for a job. So I would say the other thing that you can do is just build your network. That is the most valuable thing that you'll have throughout your career. And now's the perfect time to start. So when you actually ping someone on LinkedIn and say, hey, you know, I'm early on in my journey here. Or, or I'm an aspiring product marketer without much experience, I would really love to learn from your experience. And I'd love to hear any guidance that you have when you get those notes on LinkedIn. I mean, like when I get those notes, I'm much happier to have those conversations when someone's positioning in that way. And then it just establishes a relationship. So down the line, if that person is looking, you've already made the connection. So I think build your brand by sharing thoughtful, thoughtful content and build your network. And those two things will go far, right? Well beyond tweaking a resume. And I know when you asked about the resume, I don't think you were talking about strictly the resume. I think you were talking more about just as a job applicant, how do you best set yourself up for success? And I would say that's how you could do it is those two ways. You know, these are really good tips. It's not something that I have personally thought about, but the personal brand and the fact that I know that leaders like you are looking at LinkedIn and seeing if the person shares thoughtful content and shares their personality a little bit is really music to my ears. It's something that I will definitely be thinking more about. And to your point about reaching out and building your network, I think that's also super key. I think a lot of people kind of discount that these days. They don't think of that as being important, but I think we want to hear from people. We want to hear from candidates and we are available and we want to help. And to be honest, there's something there for even mentors. It's not just the mentees that are getting the benefit. It's also the mentors. So definitely don't shy away from reaching out to people and building your network. It's useful all the way around. Okay. So any last tips as candidates interviewing, how can one set someone uh, apart? I know you talked a little bit about building your personal brand, but how do you set yourself apart from other candidates? Because everyone looking to get into product marketing, to be in this space, how do you make yourself stand apart from everyone else? Yeah, I think a big part of it is just doing your homework up front. Going into an interview, you really should have a good solid understanding of, of the company, the space that they're in. There's so many sources of information out there. Like you should talk to people, like find people who are at the company now, find people who recently left the company. I mean, here's a crazy idea. Talk to their customers. Imagine a candidate coming into an interview and a candidate providing insight from your own customers that maybe you didn't have, right? So talking to people isn't cheating, right? It's prep, right? Those conversations are yours to be had. You just got to reach out, engage. And I think doing your homework, finding out what you can on the web, but also talking to people and come into the interview with all that foundational knowledge. I mean, obviously that's going to give you a big advantage. Whether they ask you questions that, are the types of questions we talked about earlier that require an intimate knowledge of the business or not, like coming in well-prepared is going to set yourself up for success. And I would also just also sounds silly, but send a follow-up note. It's amazing how many candidates don't follow up with just a, a quick note, thanking someone for their time. Honestly, when you get that note, you don't think much of it, but you do think more of it when you don't get that note. So just do the right thing and do your homework. Pretty well basic said. advice, but. <laughs> well said. No, it's well said. Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? If they wanted to reach out to mm -hmm. you, for example, where should they find you? 
Yeah. I mean, you connect with me on LinkedIn. That's a great way to connect. If you see an opportunity at ClickUp that you think you're a good fit for and you're interested in, definitely apply. But I look at all my LinkedIn messages. It's getting much more difficult these days to whittle through all the junk that you get on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn at some point probably should do something about that. Maybe some e-learning courses on how to effectively promote on LinkedIn. But I do look at my inbox, so feel free to ping me. Yeah, the only other thing I would say is that this is just a very exciting time for product marketers. I've seen a huge change in the strategic nature of product marketing as a function over the last, I would say, like six to 10 years. And companies are increasingly seeing the value of product marketing. And it's gone from a team that in many cases was kind of subservient to product to a team that is highly strategic and seen as a weapon for the company in terms of shaping their go-to-market efforts. So I think it's a super exciting place to be. If you're looking to eventually become a CMO, like product marketing is a phenomenal path. So I would just say to everyone listening in, like lean in. (laughs) If you're not excited already, you should be because it's a phenomenal path that you're on. This was an amazing conversation, Mike. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and to lend your thoughts to our listeners. I certainly learned a lot and I'm sure our audience did as well. And to everyone listening, thank you for attending another one of our PMM interviews episode. Stay tuned for the next one where we'll interview yet another amazing product marketing leader on their tips and tricks for nailing PMM interviews. Thanks all. Thanks, Nipur. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our sponsor, Launch Notes. Whether you're looking to drive higher user engagement, build greater trust with your customers, or make a bigger splash on launch day, elevate your product marketing team with Launch Notes. See why industry leaders like Amplitude, Hopin, and Loom love Launch Notes and why you will too at launchnotes.com.